Welcome to the Life in the Rock podcast. Here you'll find a commitment to sharing with others the challenges and joys of our spiritual journey. The goal is to offer relevant and thought-provoking material on today's issues. My name is Keith Harris. I'm the host of this podcast and the preaching minister for the Winsong Church of Christ in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The church is located at 3 Winsong Drive in North Little Rock. If you're searching for joy and peace in life, I want to encourage you to visit Winsong, where you'll discover the joy and peace that are only found in Christ. Thank you for listening. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of this series, Name Above All Names, where we're looking at the names of Jesus as we see them in Scripture. You know, the names of Jesus tell us much about his character and nature. And thus far, we've noticed the name of Jesus. We studied the title, I Am. We've seen the, the fact that Jesus is the author of life and noted that Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, these titles, each unique in their own way, say something about Jesus. They identify for us certain elements of Jesus' nature that allow us to know him in a deeper way. They help us see his authority, his power, his care, and compassion. One preacher pointed out in a sermon, there are 256 names given in the Bible for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I suppose this was because he was infinitely beyond all that any one name could express. He is so far beyond any attempt on our part to describe him. And that's why the various names attributed to our Lord are so important. In the Gospel of John, as well as religious historical record, John the Baptist was often viewed by others as God's promised Messiah. This was due in large part to the prophecy of Malachi concerning the return of Elijah. Malachi's prophecy closed with these words, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6. That was it. That's how Malachi closed his prophecy. I suppose that the majority of the people of God were, in fact, waiting for the arrival of Elijah the prophet. Certainly it makes sense that this would be the case. The question is, did they understand the return of Elijah the prophet to be the coming of God's Messiah? If anyone could be mistaken as Elijah the prophet, it would have been John the Baptist. The Old Testament explains that Elijah the prophet wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist, 2 Kings 1, verse 8. Just prior to the earthly ministry of Jesus, John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight, Matthew 3, verse 3. Then the interesting connection is made by Matthew. Now John the Baptist wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Matthew chapter 3, verse 4. 
Clearly, John the Baptist was Malachi's Elijah who is to come. Jesus confirmed this when he said, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he, John the Baptist, is Elijah who is to come. Matthew chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. Seeing the prophecy of Malachi and the appearance of John the Baptist, it's understandable that some, perhaps many, would view John the Baptist as God's Messiah, the Christ. Notice how John the Apostle recorded an encounter between John the Baptist and some of the Jews. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, They had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. John chapter 1 verses 19 through 28. John the Baptist was not bashful or timid in the way he made known his identity. It might be better said that John the Baptist was very open about who he was not. With many believing that he was God's Messiah, the Christ, he was clear that he was not. It was this John the Baptist that was sent from God as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. John the Baptist was adamant, I am not the Christ. John chapter 1, verse 20. In keeping with his responsibility to bear witness, John the Baptist reveals yet another title of Jesus. The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. This designation is one which apparently was important to John the Baptist's understanding of the ultimate mission of Jesus. Again we are told, The next day again John was standing with two of his disciples and He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, verses 35 and 36. Behold, the Lamb of God. What does it mean that John the Baptist identified Jesus as the Lamb of God? A portion of the answer to this question can be found in the words of John the Baptist as he described Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. As we look deeper into the meaning of Jesus as the Lamb of God, 
we find an interesting connection between Abraham's offering of Isaac on the altar to God and God's offering of Jesus on the cross for us. Genesis 22 explains God's call to Abraham. God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Genesis 22, verse 2. Abraham, who trusts God completely, follows through with God's directive. As Abraham and Isaac were preparing to construct an altar for the offering, Isaac noticed that one element was missing, the sacrifice itself. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Genesis 22, verses 7 and 8. With Isaac bound and placed on the altar, Abraham took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord stopped him, saying, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Genesis 22, verse 12. In a thicket nearby, Abraham noticed a ram caught by his horns. Abraham offered the ram as a burnt offering to God instead of his son. From this story, we learn that Isaac was a type of Christ, Jesus. Jesus was the Lamb of God offered for the sins of humanity. In preparing his people for the first Passover, God gave instructions to Moses and Aaron, which would be passed on to the Israelites in bondage in Egypt. God directed, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Exodus 12, verses 2 and 3, and 5 and 6. This lamb, without blemish, was to be killed at twilight, its blood placed on the doorposts and lintel of their houses. The reason is made clear in the following verses. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Exodus 12, verses 11 through 13. There was great significance to the blood of the lamb which was to be slaughtered. 
the killing of the lamb was to be an offering to God, as it were, to appease the wrath of God. When God made his way through Egypt that night, it was the blood on the doorposts and lintel of a house which precipitated God's passing over that house, saving the inhabitants of that house from the plague of death. Behold, the Lamb of God. John chapter 1, verse 29. What does it mean that John the Baptist identified Jesus as the Lamb of God? In the same manner that the Israelites enslaved in Egypt were saved from the plague of death by the blood of the slaughtered lamb, a lamb without blemish. So we today are saved from death by the blood of the slaughtered lamb of God, a lamb without blemish. John the Baptist identified Jesus as the lamb of God. Peter also connects Jesus with the lamb without blemish when he wrote, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 1 Peter 1, verses 17-19. The Apostle Paul said that Christ is our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. In his writing of the revelation he received while exiled on the Isle of Patmos, the Apostle John referred to the Lamb numerous times. Of particular importance is John's revelation concerning Satan being thrown down to earth. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12. Victory over Satan is realized by the blood of the Lamb. Earlier, John wrote, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. Salvation. That is what the Lamb brings. John also recorded an exchange he had with one of the 24 elders. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, 
you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 7, verses 13 and 14. It is the blood of the Lamb that ushers in the salvation God offers. While blood is generally understood to stain clothing with a deep crimson red, the blood of the Lamb washes robes white as snow. This is clearly a reference to the spiritual cleansing of one's sins. Do you remember what John the Baptist said? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Jesus is the one through whom God brings salvation to all those that through obedient faith respond to God's redemptive work. Jesus is the perfect, spotless lamb without blemish. It is this lamb that was slaughtered for our trespasses. Perhaps there is no greater explanation of the sacrifice of the lamb than Isaiah's prophecy. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 7. Jesus suffered the slaughter that we deserve. Because he took on our punishment, we have been saved from eternal death. Because Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, our robes can be washed white as snow, our sins washed away. Because Jesus, the Lamb, was bruised, beaten, and led to the slaughter, we can live for all eternity in heaven. So let us say with John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. I hope you've been encouraged by these words today. To find more on this topic or other spiritual matters, please visit lifeintherock.org. You can also visit Facebook and search Life in the Rock. I invite you to like, follow, and share this page with your family and friends. My prayer is that God will bless you today and that you will seek Him with all your heart. Thank you for listening.